I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of First Timothy, chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 8 through 13, but I think I'm going to only be able to get through a few verses today. And then I'm going to also read Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. I want to welcome our visitors here and I want to thank you for being here. Normally we would hug you, but we are kind of prevented from being able to give everybody a hug. So we will just say hello and, and welcome. Would you please bow your head with me, please? Today, God, we are grateful to you for your love. We thank you for allowing us to be able to be here today and for your marvelous grace and kindness. Today, as we have sung songs, we do pray that you will also now prepare our hearts to hear the word of God. We pray that the word will indwell us and that we will be able to allow the word to change us from the inside out. Give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying to the church today. We give you glory in Jesus name. Amen. I want you to keep those that are out today because we weren't sure if we were going to be having service. And so some of the people that would normally be here are out. So let's keep them in prayer. Also want to keep Angela's husband in prayer, Bill. Um, he went down again to visit a gentleman who is by himself to give help again. And so I was just telling her on Thursday um, what a blessing it is to have someone to be able to serve and to be able to help. And so I just want you to let your, your husband know that we are going to put him on our prayer list this week. And want to thank him for being there serving. First Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. And this is what it says. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded. Faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good under, gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul and Timothy Servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, these are the two words I want you to note, with the overseers and deacons. The title for this message is, The High Standard for a Servant. The High Standard for a Servant. Today I thought that I was going to go back and read from the book of Acts and deal with the story in chapter 6 of Acts of deacons. But that's not where the Lord led me. Maybe next week is what I will plan. I'll plan to bring that in. But I'm just going to basically stay in the passage of 1 Timothy that we read. Service in the kingdom of God is so very, very important. That Paul considers those that have Come to Christ. In other words, those that are going to serve, he says they have to be saved. In order to serve as a deacon or an overseer, 
the very first thing that must be understood is that one has to have a personal relationship with the Almighty God. When it comes to the role of an overseer, as we have been dealing with, the word also, um, you will oftentimes even hear the word bishop, episkopos in the Greek. We, th- we think of a person that has charge over someone. When it comes to an overseer or a deacon, the qualifications are very, very similar. The minimization of one's role in the church is often done in terms of reducing one's faithfulness or trying to minimize sin in their life. When we try to minimize our role in service, it is oftentimes done because we don't want to be either held to a high standard or we sometimes want a way out. So we sometimes will minimize our role and say, you know, well, I only do this in the church. (laughs) But we should be very, very careful not to minimize our role. Because the role of service unto the Lord God Almighty will be rewarded. I tell you this, if you are a person that works as a gardener, a person that takes care of plants, Do it with all your heart. If you're getting paid for it, do it with all your heart. Whatever you do, you should consider it as an honor unto the Lord. But Paul says the qualifications of an overseer and a deacon are very, very high. When you consider the call, one needs to be sure that they're qualified to serve in that position. As Paul now addresses the role of deacons, and at this time, There was not a different word for women deacons, which we now call deaconess, but the same word applied to deacons, or women that were deacons. In fact, it is unclear. There had been a lot of debate if women were actually deacons, but we know they were called to serve and to give assistance in the role. But there was only the word at that point of deacon, and so they they would also be called that. It is also noteworthy. That not, that not just anyone could serve in the role as a deacon. If you are going to serve in the church, what are you doing to make sure that your life is lining up with the word of God? You see, service in the church is not because I just want to do this. Oh, I like that job. I want to do that. No. You have to be, as I mentioned last week, vetted. You have to be able to stand before the almighty God And say, I have been called to this service. Now, I tell you, I am not, I can work with young people. I can do various things, but please don't ask me to do arts and crafts with kids. That is not my gifting. Please don't ask me to do drawings and put things together for children. I am not going to do it. That's not my calling. Some of you are very good at that. God bless you. Do it with all your heart. But please. Don't ask me to do that because I can't. There has to be in one's life holiness. We have been dealing in the past with holiness. Holiness is one that is deals with the life that is set apart unto God. So when you think of holiness, you've got to consider that my life has been separated and set apart unto the almighty God. Thank God for these, these, well, we say tents, but these canopies. Thank you. (laughs) Holiness. Point number one. 
Avoiding the negatives and pursuing the positives. Avoiding the negatives and pursuing the positives. 1 Timothy 3, 8 and 9. The Bible says deacons likewise must be dignified. They must be dignified, not double-tongued, um, not given or addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. In the Greek, the word for deacon is diakonos. Diakonos means servant. Diakonos. It is a word that was often even used for those that were ministers, as such as the apostles. And you will find that as a, as a reference in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, and Matthew 23, 11. Deacon not only represents an office, but it represents also a position. In the book of Acts chapter 6, I'll just make this reference. The word deacon is not used, but the, there's a very similar word that was used for the, those that had been called or set apart to provide service to the widows. Those widows that were in need. There had been some that had been set aside to, to fulfill that role, and we will plan to take a look at that at another time. Paul basically gives one positive as he starts, and he says that a deacon must be dignified, and then is followed by three negatives. It's interesting to note that when you look at the Word of God, it oftentimes will look at that which is positive as well as that which is negative. Things that you should strive for and towards, and things that you should seek to avoid. So Paul says dignified. The first matter that he addresses is positive, and that the deacon must be one whose character is good. There are some people whose character is questionable. It's one that needs to make sure that they're handling their affairs in a proper way. They need to be one that's respected by people. So Paul starts with the positive that one has to be dignified. In the way that one is dignified, it is done by avoiding certain things and making sure that one pursues that which is good. Paul goes on to say that the deacon should not be double-tongued. <laughs> um, what is he saying? That should be a person that does not spread rumors. You see, a deacon, while the, while the role was not necessarily clarified all that they would do, we now know that deacons are ones that often will go into the homes. They will oftentimes help provide a ministry to those who are, we call the sick and the shut-in, those that may not be able to come to church. And so deacons would be ones that would oftentimes take even a word from the pastor or from the overseer to those that are inside the house. And so he had to be very careful that he was not one to gossip. Help us. He had to be make he had to make sure that he was not one to spread rumors. What does a rumor actually do? Rumors only have the main purpose of destroying. What does a rumor do? It hurts people. All of us have been involved in rumors. Been the recipients of them as well as starting them as well. <laughs> the person has to make sure that they don't involve in slanderous speech. They can't involve themselves in slanderous speech. 
What's slander of speech? It's one that hurts another person. If you find yourself being the recipient of one that is always on the receiving end of hearing something bad about another person, you need to make sure that you check yourself and make sure that you set some boundaries and some limits. Because what does it do? It makes you impartial or it makes you act a certain way towards a person. Do you not know if you began to hear something about a person that you have never met, you will have an attitude towards them when you meet them for the very first time. So one has to be very careful not to entertain rumors. There have been some things that someone has told me, and I had an attitude only to come and find out that that person did not act towards me in any way that had been described. And so I had to be very, very careful because I had, inv- I had myself developed some impressions based on what was said, but it wasn't true. Why? Because the person that was saying it wanted to get me on the side and wanted me to feel the same way that they felt about that person. A deacon can't do that. They need to avoid the negative slander and words and rumors, hearing as well as putting them out. The deacon must not be one addicted to much wine. (laughs) You see, one of the things that we have to remember is that when people drank back in the days of Jesus, yes, they had people that were drunks, people that would drink at times because they would say the water was not the best. Some people would drink with their meals. But you know it's a problem if a person has to have a nip to get up in the morning and a nip to go to sleep at night. And so the reason that he says not one addicted to much wine, one has to remember that if one is controlled by alcohol, then one is not sure what they'll say or what they'll do. There has to be limits that set. And so Paul says that one that's a deacon in this standing has to make sure that that doesn't control them, but that they're controlled by the spirit of the almighty God. You see, all of us have that have been saved have come out of something, out of various things. So when we are saved, it means that we we don't allow those things to anymore control our makeup, our being. It doesn't mean that we have not been involved in things, but it now means that I am walking a different way. So what Paul has given to Timothy, he has sent Timothy. Some of the individuals may have been doing these things, but the office and the call of a deacon must be one that is not addicted to much wine, cannot be controlled by that. Today, alcoholism is a big problem in families. I've told you that my dad was one that would drink. Thank God that he wasn't drinking when we got saved. When he got saved, when I was born, he was no longer drinking. He was saved, I believe, in 1954. But he's told you this story, and I told you the story. He was on a plane. I'm not sure if he was either going to Korea or coming from. But he was in the air, and the plane was being shaken, and it was in a terrible storm. Now, you know, and he wasn't saved, you know that you know what's right and wrong when you began to pray, God, if you get me down from this, I'll do what's right. <laughs> you know if you start praying that way, you know that what you're doing is not right. But he said, God, if you get me down from this plane safely, I'll serve you. So as this plane is bumping and he has prayed, the Lord allowed the plane to land safely. And he said the first thing he did was went, he went to the liquor store. 
Drinking has caused people to not be faithful in their roles. So Paul says, Timothy, that one who loves that which he should not, such as alcohol, he should not be put in the position of a deacon. He must be controlled by the Spirit of God. That is the negative. So you have the positive. He must avoid the negative. Paul goes on to say that he must not be greedy for dishonest gain. Now, when we were looking at last week, the overseer, the Bible says that he must not be a lover of money. There is a big difference between the love of money and having a need. So one of the things that some have mistaken, they said, money is the root of all evil, which is not true. The Bible says the love of money. Here Paul says to Timothy, the deacon must be careful in regards to that which is dishonest gain. So it's not just dealing with money, but any type of situation that would cause a person to be bribed. Why would this be important for the deacon? If the deacon is going to be one that's going to be working closely with people and behind the scenes and involved in taking care of the affairs of the church and working with individuals, he could be susceptible to accepting a bribe. So Paul says, not for dishonest gain, which would include money, but it would include other things as well, which could be used for a bribe. That's why it's today very important that you consider the company you keep. There are some friends that, a couple that I, I grew up with that, thank God they're saved now, but back in the day, they had some stuff on me that they could... I, they could offer me a bribe. I, I, I would be bribed. Yeah, here, brother, take this. Don't share that information. I could be bought off. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but we all have things in our past. You see, a deacon should be one to where he has a past or she has had a past that they can say, yes, I used to do that. Not proud of it, but I was not a Christian. I was not living for the Lord, but now I've come to the Lord. Those things are now behind me. You can try to use them all you want. Yes, that's, that's what I did. That's in the past. That's not today. So Paul says that the deacon has to be one that's not susceptible to bribes. That means currently. The fact of the matter is that his life should be one that brings honor to God And the concern is that his focus should be one that points people to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if people are trying to bribe you, the focus is on the wrong person. Because they're saying, I can give you something to change the message, to change your faithfulness. And he says, no, the message must always be on the Lord Jesus Christ and not on yourself. Paul says in verse 9, must have a clear conscience. The deacon should not have anything standing in his, in his way that would prevent him from being able to serve faithfully. Nothing that would encumber him. The items that Paul had, has listed could cause a deacon serious problems in serving effectively. If anything was interfering with his calling and his work for the Lord, he had to be very careful. Paul goes on to talk about the mystery. The mystery. 
of the Lord. Let me, let me say a couple more things here about the role and the office of the deacon. The office of the deacon was one in which the deacon's job and his role would be one that would cause people to say, I can trust you with anything in my life. I can trust you to handle the affairs absolutely not only correctly, but faithfully. And I don't have to worry about whatever it is that I give you or receive because I know that you have my best interest at heart. The deacon's job was one to where they would have to also give an account to God, but they would also be accountable to the body of Christ. You see, the deacon was not only accountable to the leader, but they were accountable to the body of Christ. It is even believed that the deacon was possibly even chosen by the body. Initially, the standards were set by Paul, but when it came to the choosing of the deacon, it was possibly the body of Christ. Why? Because they said that person's life reflects holiness and godliness. They should be able to serve. So even the congregation may have had a part in that piece of it. Paul goes on to say in verse 9, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. The mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. The gospel message in the Old Testament, or the, the message I should say in the Old Testament, was always seen and, and, and it was portrayed as types and shadows. When you consider the mystery of the gospel, it is not a mystery that where something is unknown, but something that has not been disclosed yet. So when the Bible talks about a mystery, the Old Testament in types and shadows was such to where the Lord only gave glimpses of that which was to come later. The prophets, the priests, those that led did not see fully what God was doing, but they knew they were a part of it. But God did not disclose to them ultimately the plan. He gave them scriptures. There were prophecies that talked about the Lord coming and various things happening, but it was not revealed to them. So when Paul talks about the mystery, he is talking about something that had not been disclosed for a period of time. But when you come to the New Testament, the mystery that God was doing and showing was that salvation was going to be in and through, only through Jesus Christ, the Savior. He is our hope of glory. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. So when it talks about the mystery it speaks about that which the deacon would have a sincere and true conviction of and that there would be no interference to disrupt him being able to share the mystery of Jesus Christ. The mystery that was not disclosed in the Old Testament. The mystery that God was not only calling the Jewish nation, but he was also calling the Gentiles, you and myself, to one body. The mystery. So the deacon had to be one that could hold the mystery and proclaim the mystery. And that there would be no encumbrances, nothing that would get in the way of that. You see, one of the problems that one has to consider 
going back to a life of sin. People are quick to point out your trespasses. And if the gospel message and the mystery was going to be proclaimed to a people, one's sins and faults could not be blaring out in front to where they could not hear the message because of the sins or something that was in the life of the deacon. That life had to be so holy. That life had to be such to where there was nothing there that would prevent a person from being able to come and to be drawn to the very body of Christ. The gospel message must be proclaimed with a clear conscience. When you repent of your sins, there must be a lifestyle change. You can no longer continue to live in a sinful state. So when we say, God, forgive me, we then move from this camp of unrighteousness now to the camp of holiness. And then when we blow it, we say, God, I confess my sins and I ask that you forgive me. Because when you talk about forgiveness, it means that one is now turning and walking in a different direction. So I was walking this way, but when I repent, I now turn and I go in the opposite direction. So a person that's a deacon can no longer walk in the way that they were walking. The fact of the matter is the mystery of the gospel, Christ, our hope of glory, has now been revealed. And now we must walk in the way that's been revealed to us, who is Jesus Christ. And the deacon cannot have anything interfering with that message. Be careful, people that's claiming to be Christian and there's no change in their lifestyle. And then want to say, you're judging me. Well, I'm just judging the fruit. (laughs) I am a fruit inspector. (laughs) If I look and see something, why can't I call it as it is? So one has to be very, very careful. So Paul says, no hindrances. One has to have a clear conscience. One has to be able to have a clear conscience To be able to reveal the mystery. And so Paul says, deacons, people need to see Christ and not sins blaring loudly. They must see him. So there is really a high standard for the servant. Please understand that the the standards for holiness is not down here. The standard is up here. We oftentimes try to do things in order to just get by. But we should be moving from that to Where we can say, I stand now boldly before the Almighty God, and I serve him boldly and faithfully. So, Timothy, anyone that is going to be put in the office of a deacon, they must have the positives that they pursue and the negatives that they avoid. And they must be one that has nothing to interfere with the mystery of the gospel, the proclamation of the word of God. That no one can point a finger at them and say, I can't hear you because of sin. No, I used to do that, but no longer. So the high standard for a servant of Christ. In conclusion, when we consider the pastoral letters, it is important to note. It does not always talk about all the job descriptions. It gives some, but it talks about the character of the individual. Character makes a difference. And if you're going to be a born-again believer in Christ, believe me, character makes a difference. Today, Lord, we are grateful to you for your loving kindness and 
the privilege of being able to share, to be a servant, to be one that serves people for the kingdom of God. One that allows the word of God to flow through us, through our service, and then through the words that we share with people. We pray today that we will understand that there is a high calling on the life of the believer, not to live shabby, but to live a life of victory over sin. One that allows Christ to be seen. One that allows the kingdom of God to be revealed in the lives of people and to a dying world. We pray today that the message won't be tainted by our sins or things that are encumbrances that are, binds us, but that they will be, that the message will be able to flow freely through the vessel that God you have created, that the life that you have given us will be able to flow to people that needs to be saved, that needs a word. So today we pray that we will pursue the positives, avoid the negatives. And allow Christ to do the work that needs to be done. We honor you and we bless you in the matchless and the powerful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.